This summer, Coors Light wants you to retire, even if it's only temporary. Take a break from your nine to five for nine holes of golf. Trade those spreadsheets for a bingo card. Or swap your office chair for a water aerobics floaty. This summer, welcome to temporary retirement. Coors Light, made to chill. Copyright 2023, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Hey, it's Gonzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Gonzano's Bald Face Truth. Well, you knew it was a bad look when Lincoln Riley turned into Biff from Back to the Future and tried to bully a young reporter. Suspending a reporter who worked for the Orange County Register for two weeks. We talked about what a bad look it was. The L.A. media rallied around what a bad look it was. L.A. Times columnist Bill Platchkey ripped USC football. And Arizona State's Sports Information Department, who happens to be the host for this weekend's USC football game, USC's at Arizona State, Doug Tamro, the Sports Information Director at Arizona State, tweeted out this morning that he was going to credential the reporter. Sports Information Directors across the country were shaking their head at USC. Last two days... A stunning reversal about an hour ago as Lincoln Riley rescinds the suspension, lifts the suspension of access to reporter Luca Evans. And I'm not going to say Luca Evans is the winner here because I think a lot of people looked at him and said, what is he doing wrong? Is he talking to players outside of coordinated uh, media appearances? Is he quoting them? He's not the winner. And certainly Lincoln Riley didn't win. He looks bad. He looks like a bully. But I think, you know, I think the winner ultimately is the media contingent that covers USC football. And I think it's readers and viewers and listeners in Southern California or across the country who follow USC. I think you get back a semblance of... Um, you know, dignity and a semblance of transparency when it comes to the coverage of the teams. Now, I'm going to get a little inside baseball here because I feel like most of you probably hear this story if you're a fan of a team and you say, I don't care, just give me my football. But I'm going to tell you just for a second why it's important that you have media members who are worth a damn and who are uh, able to operate unencumbered covering your programs. Not just your programs, but other programs. There is a level of accountability as it pertains to Willie Taggart exercising his players to the point where four of them end up going to the hospital. Do you remember that story? Well, I can tell you Andrew Greif, the reporter that I worked alongside at that time, was told by Willie Taggart, I'll never talk to you again because you reported that story. Very similar treatment to what Lincoln Riley did. And in fact, if I think the Ducks were in season... We may have had a standoff that year that would have been similar to what you see with this Lincoln-Riley thing. Like, Willie Taggart was so mad at Andrew Greif, who is now at the L.A. Times covering the NBA. He was so mad at him, he said, I'll never talk to you again. Tried to make his life difficult on the beat. 
tried to make it hard for him to do his job. And ultimately, all Andrew Greif was doing was reporting what he saw, what he knew to be true. He knew there was a workout. He knew that the strength and conditioning coach at Oregon had put players in a dangerous position. He had players telling him that. He had uh, you know, the hospital confirming that certain athletes had been to the hospital. And he had Willie Taggart telling him, this is not a story. Buckle up. And in the end, I think that there was a level of transparency that was provided to that program and to fans of that program that never would have existed had Andrew Greif not been there and been reporting the way that he did. I think the same goes for USC as it pertains to you know coaches, athletes, players. You know, you want to talk about scandals in sports? Larry Nasser at Michigan State, USA Gymnastics. You want to talk about uh, steroids in baseball, performance-enhancing drugs, period, in sports, whether it be the Olympics or whatnot. A lot of that stuff isn't getting reported if media members don't have access, if media members don't have the ability to ask questions and hold people accountable. You know, I get it. You want to see your teams play the games. And I understand, too, that the universities go, hey, we want to be the ones telling our story. We prefer to spoon-feed the coverage. But I'll tell you, the best entities, the healthiest, most successful sports franchises, you know what they do? They don't worry about what the media is saying. They don't worry about what I'm writing. They don't, you know, they don't try to get in your way. They don't try to control your story. They don't try to you know, get in the way of the narrative. They don't try to control what people think. You know, no, no, no. They're focused on good product on the field, doing the best that they can, and getting caught doing the right thing all the time. The bad franchises get their eye off the ball. I do think there's a systemic issue at USC that you got to pay attention to if you're a Trojan fan especially. We're talking about an athletic department that in the Pete Carroll era was very transparent but had ultimately had some problems in that there were rules that were broken and and uh, you had administrators subsequently like Lynn Swan and Pat Hayden, the athletic directors, who really weren't in control of that athletic department. They weren't really doing a lot. And I think ultimately what happened at USC is that media held the USC athletic department and the coaching staff, including the you know Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, including you know Clay Helton, held all of those coaches accountable in a way that fans need and and you speak for fans often when you're a media member at the LA Times covering those programs or the Orange County Register for that matter. So I do think fans will, who are saying, "Hey, just give me my sports." Let's not forget that, you know, that transparency or that conduit that the media is really should work for you. If you don't feel like that conduit is working for you, if you don't feel like it's speaking for you, if you don't think it's asking the right questions and holding programs accountable and raising the bar, then, you know, then you're probably uh, leaning into the wrong media members. I can remember during the pandemic, a lot of you were upset about runners who were outdoors at a distance running 800 meters or the 1500 meters i got an email inbox full of letters from parents saying why are my kids masking they're running the 1600 outside or they're playing soccer you know we they shouldn't have masks on where they're trying to you know run at full speed and this is you know if this doesn't feel right to me and i you know i started asking those questions at at, at you know at the state capitol and Asking that question of city leaders and community leaders, and and I think you know, I in some weird way, I think that the more that we can, you know, view media as a conduit and not an agenda-driven entity, shouldn't be, 
you know, I didn't have a political bent for doing, you know, banging the drum for kids who were outside running. I just didn't like the fact that kids, you know, who were outside running, uh, you know, were forced to be masked during the pandemic. It just didn't feel right to me. And so, you know, I think I, I tried to speak for those kids. I don't know. I don't know if it had an impact or not, but I know that I was in constant communication with the governor's uh, aides and spokespeople who were probably tired of hearing from me. Um, USA, USC football back onto the field. We can focus on the football today. We're going to give you our picks today. Anthony Gold, wide receiver, Oregon State will be with us. Dan Lanning, the Oregon football coach, will be with us. But in the end, uh, I had to start with that story as Lincoln Riley I want to read his quote. Lincoln Riley said, quote, um, Last night I received a call from Luca Evans, and we had a very candid and productive conversation. We agreed that we could both have handled the situation differently. I appreciate Luca recognizing the policies we have in place to protect our student-athletes and acknowledging to adhere to those in the future. We welcome Luca back to practice and look forward to his continuing coverage of the Trojans. Meanwhile, um, Luca Evans says, I had a long conversation with Lincoln Riley, shared our perspectives that led to USC suspending my access. Riley made it clear that it was his intent to protect his players. I made it clear that it was my intent to uh, tell compelling and honest stories on USC. Um, I, it, the, the bigger thing to me, though, comes down to the fact that you had 11 other sports information directors in the Pac-12 conference who were all shaking their head at what USC was doing. Like, everybody knew it was wrong. Everybody knew there's a different way to handle it. I had text exchanges with multiple sports information directors who said, this is the stupidest thing ever. This is a conversation between the reporter and the coach. This is a conversation between the sports information department and the reporter. And I can tell you, over the years, I had disagreements with Mike Bellotti. I had conversations with Bilotti and the sports information director. I can tell you today that I can pick up the phone and call Mike Bilotti. I can text with Mike Bilotti. And I can tell you that I, I don't know if he likes me or not. I don't know if it, it, that needs to be a thing. I don't, I'm not here to be liked. But I can tell you that I, can, I have a working relationship with the guy. And that's the point. Same with Mike Riley. I wrote things about Oregon State that he didn't like. And yet, I feel like I can pick the phone up tomorrow and call Mike Riley. And I've always prided myself on the ability to tell the hard stories, hold people accountable, write the, what I feel is the truth, put some sunshine where sunshine needs to go, and then be able to have a conversation and a working relationship with somebody at the end of it. Like, we're all reasonable people, and I don't know what you do for your job, but I can tell you that in the course of your job, you're just dealing with people in the same way that I'm dealing with people. In the same way that Luca Evans is dealing with people. we got a great show today. We're going to get into our picks for the Pac-12 games. But, Stephen, what did you think of Lincoln Riley walking back the two-week suspension that he had doled out to a reporter covering his team? It was the right move. And, you know, there was nothing good that was coming out of it. There was no positivity coming out of it. And you're right. Like, it's not just... It's not a win for the media. It's not a win for USC. It's a win for the fans because what I hate as a fan of any type of team is when I know that someone is reporting on the team and they're being a homer. And they're only going to say the positive spin because not everything is positive in sports. There's a lot of things that you need to know about. And so for USC to try to suspend Luca and just say, you know what, you can't talk about this because you're not doing exactly what we want to do. That That's not fair to anybody. And, you know, it was getting picked up by a lot of people. You were one of the first people on it, John, to, you know, to kind of start this little uh, 
little campaign here to get him to get him credentialed again. But it, it was the it was the right move by USC. I'm surprised it took him this long, but definitely the right move because it just it, it show it shined a negative light when there didn't have to be. It didn't have to be a negative light shine on USC right now. So I'm glad this happened, and uh, hopefully they learn going forward. Yeah, and I think too another another part of this is like it was there are some things that are just so glaringly obvious that you're like, why in the world would they ever institute that policy? And I think Chip Kelly's reaction spoke for a lot of people. Like Chip Kelly, uh, you know, he was asked by reporters, you know, what he thought of it, and he was like, I can do that. Like that's a thing. Like. You know, you know, and it turns out you really can't do that because what I think was going to happen is the reporter was going to go to the USC-Arizona State game anyway on Saturday. He was credentialed by Arizona State. Doug Tamaro, the sports information director, longtime SID, great guy, professional above all. He was like, I'm credentialing the guy. I don't have a problem with it. And so I think it was going to be a problem for USC anyway where they were going to take all the negative press and get none of the benefit. And the other thing that happened is USC foolishly dragged President Carol Fultz's name into this. I don't know if people caught this, but one of the justifications for the suspension that was raised by USC was that the reporter, Luca Evans, went into a news conference and he called Carol Fultz by her first name, Carol. They said that was disrespectful. And so that began to get mocked. People were saying, Madam Fultz, Supreme Leader Fultz, you know, uh, you know, your Royal Highness Fultz. And I think anytime you you start to involve the university president and public mocking of the university president, you get the attention of said president who wants to be able to walk into fundraisers at USC and not have people go, can I still call her Carol? Like, I just think that was a ridiculous thing. It kind of blew up in USC's face. I also think it's kind of silly. Like, you know, I don't know. I I, I don't think I would call Oregon State's president, Jayathi Murthy, Giothi to her face, like, in, you know, like, you know, just casually like that. I would probably say Ms. Murthy. I don't know. I don't know if I would even use it. I don't even know if I would use a name. I just might ask the damn question. Like, I don't get the point of that. I don't understand why that's a big deal anyway, if his, the name was used or the name wasn't used. But in the end, uh, suspension gets walked back. They end up in the best place possible, which is back to square one. Glad to see that the issue is resolved. Should not have been an issue. I want to pivot before we get too deep into the um, into the uh, weeds here to a little story developing on the uh, Oregon State Washington State front. Uh, Washington State's athletic director Pat Chun, talking to uh, today with reporters, said that um, 18 minutes. Before Saturday's kickoff, they're going to play the Oregon State uh, fight song, and they're going to uh, Washington State's going to play Oregon State's fight song. That's that's a uh, that's a uh, nice little move, uh, a solidarity move. Really cool thing by Washington State to play the Oregon State fight song. Uh, so keep an eye on that. Also. Uh, news out of Utah today. If you are a uh, if you are a fan who is tracking the Utah and UCLA game, you've got um, you've got a uh, 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 an update on Cam Rising. He's been practicing all week. I told I'm told. So when we go to give our picks on that game, Stephen, 
We will have to uh, decide how big you think the debut of Cam Rising is in the eyes of Utah in that UCLA-Utah game that will be taking place 1230 on Saturday. Looks like Rising's going to be the starter. He's been practicing all week, and unless he gets some bad news in the next 24 hours, looks like he will go. They're still short some other players. They're also, um, you know, he's rusty. Like, he hasn't played a game yet. So I don't know if you sort of project Cam Rising as playing at full strength, but uh, he looks uh, looks like Rising will be available on, uh, on uh, Saturday. Uh, conversely, Arizona pushing back against Colorado. Um, Arizona's upset about Colorado trying to trademark, Coach Prime trying to trademark its personal. Apparently, uh, Arizona tried to trademark its personal a couple years ago and was unsuccessful. University of Arizona has trademarked the phrase, make it personal. Uh, Coach Jed Fish at Arizona said he's cool with Coach Prime borrowing the slogan. He's a big fan of Deion Sanders. What do you make of all that? What do you make of that uh, that story? It's personal being uh, not able to trademark, but make it personal belonging to Arizona. Did anybody know that? I didn't know that, uh, but it did seem weird. You know, we talked about this the other day. What he what he tried to trademark? It's personal. It seems like you, can you really trademark that? Like, I, it just doesn't seem like something that you can trademark. But I guess. Arizona, you know, they, uh, they've they already got on board with that. So I, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, get yourself in the news a little bit. You know, if you're being talked about, the you know, uh, any type of press is the best type of press. So I think Arizona sees Dion in the news for this stuff and says, hey, you know what? No, we already got this. Let, let, let's let everyone know this is our trademark. And one of the things you have to do if you have any kind of trademark is you have to enforce it diligently. So the fact that Jed Fish is willing to let Colorado borrow, make it personal, is interesting in that it removes sort of the exclusivity of it. Michael Buffer, people may remember, let's get ready to rumble, that guy. We had him on the show. We talked about it. One of the things Michael Buffer does is he, like, militantly seeks, hunts down, finds, seeks, offers rewards to people who can find uh, entities that are infringing on his trademark of let's get ready to rumble. And in fact, uh, this, the state's newspaper here in the state of Oregon, the O, uh, it, you know, used it on a placard on a newsstand placard one March madness. Let's get ready to rumble. They had to settle for $10,000 with Michael Buffer's people. He makes millions of dollars every year sort of um, going after people who use let's get ready to rumble. So the fact that Jed fish is, Willing to let Coach Prime borrow it opens the floodgates. We can all borrow it now. So I think that's an interesting legal distinction as it pertains to Arizona's make it personal trademark. So there you have it. All right, we got Anthony Gold, wide receiver at Oregon State. He's coming up. I'm going to talk to him about the upcoming game at Washington State. It'll be Oregon State ranked on the Palouse against Washington State on Saturday at 4 o'clock. Dan Lanning, Oregon coach, is going to join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Make an appointment for that. I'll talk to the Oregon football coach about the golden opportunity in front of him. This week, we've already had Jake Dickert, Washington State coach, Jonathan Smith, the Oregon State coach. Dan Lanning takes his turn on the hot seat in the 4 o'clock hour right here on the BFT. Also, tomorrow, Jesse Palmer, former quarterback at Florida, NFL quarterback at a couple of stops, the Bachelor, the host of The Bachelor, soon to be a dad. Well, guess what? Jesse Palmer will be on the call for the Colorado-Oregon game 
I'm going to have him give a scout on it tomorrow. He's talked with Coach Prime. He's talked with Shadour Sanders, Bo Nix. He will set the stage for Oregon and Colorado on tomorrow's show. I want you to leave it here. you got the BFT statewide on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Anthony Gold's going to be mad at me because I did not get into Jamba. I haven't been there yet to, to try that gummy drink. What's that, what's that gummy drink he likes, Stephen? Oh, yeah. The white gummy? White gummy? Yeah, white gummy. That sounds right. Man, I, I looked it up last week. I got to get in there and try it. Anthony Gold, he went 75 yards for a touchdown on a tunnel screen last Saturday. He'll be on the Palouse this Saturday against Washington State. Here to talk about it. Uh, brought to you by Jamba. Uh, Anthony Gold. All right, I'll get the white gummy this week. I promise. Don't give me too hard a time. <laughs> you got to try it, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> You're doing yourself a disservice. <laughs> you know what's funny? You go 75 yards for a touchdown, and I can hear in the press box somebody go, Jamba, like in the, back, in the background. <laughs> Everybody, a lot of people must be listening to this. What does that feel like, to catch the ball and, you know, that tunnel screen starts to develop in front of you? Oh yeah, I mean it feels good, you know, just knowing, um, you know, you got guys on the up front um, who go out there and block their tail off just so you know you can even get a chance at the play. So, you know, um, but I mean it feels good, you know. There's not too many opportunities you get to take, you know, a tunnel screen 75 yards. So um, it opened up, and I, I saw the hole, and I, I hit it as fast as I can, and um, yeah, it felt good uh, being out there, especially doing that uh, first game back in research. So. Do you do you know like very early in that play that it's got a chance to break, or is it only when you're in space and you're running free into the secondary that you go, hey, I got a shot here? Oh yeah, so we actually had ran the same play um, earlier in the game, uh, and I had cut it too much across the field, and um, I remember just you know thinking to myself, okay, if you get it again, uh, you know you need to hit it vertical and get vertical as soon as you can. So as soon as we as soon as I came off the fake and uh, started running back for the ball. I saw it was opening up, and I knew that you know, I just had to make one or two miss, and then after that it was just going to be a foot race. So, um, yeah, it was actually – we actually had ran it. That was the second time we had ran it that day. And um, first time I didn't didn't execute fully how I wanted to, and second time I, I wasn't going to make the same mistake. So I saw it pretty early, and I just hit it, and, you know, just foot race at the end zone. You, uh, you catch a touchdown – reception you also had a big guy an offensive lineman uh joshua gray who caught a touchdown pat or i guess it was a rush because it was a lateral that he caught but uh that guy's a pretty good athlete like i i I looked at his hands and i was like that you know you see offensive linemen before and after practice Mm -hmm. who like to throw and catch passes joshua gray is a good athlete oh yeah i mean i've never seen too many too many big guys you know i can move like him um i think that's all across the line you know uh, Talia Tali, Fuaga is a is a, an athlete too, you know, and we got a bunch of guys in the in the O line room that you know they can move for how big they are. Um, I mean, it was cool to see, you know, that's something we practiced. Um, I I didn't think we were ever gonna call it in game, but we did, and um, I mean, it, it worked out. You know, perfect hands catch. You know, just went up and got the ball, and then luckily, you know, he had to walk in. I wanted to see if you know if he had a little wiggle, make it. Make a guy miss or two, but uh, <laughs> you can't can't complain about can't complain about those easy ones. So I'm uh, happy for him, happy for the big guys get their get their recognition and their love. 
Help us out with this, because I thought you guys looked really good in the opener week one. Hard to tell in week two, I've got to be honest with you. Just when you're playing a Big Sky opponent, you guys are just uh, that much bigger, faster, stronger. It's hard to tell. But then came the San Diego State game, and I thought, I couldn't tell if you guys were flat, or if you were trying some new things, or if it just was one of those days where in the first half you were missing on things. What was happening on the field? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen all the stuff on Twitter, you know, fans, you know, feel like we had a bad day. But, um, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we just didn't execute fully on, on all the stuff we wanted to. Um, but, you know, I think people are overreacting a little bit. Um, you know, it's it's not as bad as it, as it always seems, and that's something I always try and, you know, remind myself whether, you know, it's a bad practice or a bad play. Everything's not as bad as it seems. So, um, you know, I'm grateful that we're in a position you know, to be considered a, you know, um, a, a win, you know, as, as, a, as a bad day offensively. You know, we didn't have a horrible day, but we didn't, you know, there's some stuff to clean up. Um, but, you know, it, it, you know, it, it, it's a good sign, you know, whenever people are, are uh, back and forth about it. Um, it shows, yeah. you know, we, we've had some improvement in that. If we're not 100% on, on go every week, you know, that people have people have those expectations. So, um you know, I mean, you just kind of take it on the chin. You know, we all have stuff to, to clean up, and um, that's something we've emphasized this, this week was the tempo and, uh, you know, just, just really executing on everything during practice. So, I always you know, tell I think people, people are overreacting yeah. a little bit, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, was one of, I was one of those people, and I was like, in the end, I was driving home after the game, and I was like, you know, they've come a long way because a bad day is a – you know, a 26-9 to win where the defense holds the other team under 10 points and you win pretty easily even though, you know, you didn't look as dynamic as you had maybe in week one. But I also am aware that, like, you know, you're never as bad or never as good as people tell you. Like, I even with this show, Anthony, mm-hmm. like at the end of the show, it's never as bad or as good as I think it is, right? It's like right. you're oh, it's a moving target. You're never going to play a perfect game. You just can't. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. Too many variables. Like somebody's going to miss a block. Somebody's going to say, I could have done, I could have cut outside, I cut inside. It's, you know, just there's too many variables. Um, when you when you get to look at film of Washington State, what do you see from them defensively? Oh yeah, I mean they're a well coached team. Um, they play hard too. Uh, no, they they got guys. You know they got some 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 guys up front. You know some guys in the back end. Um, so you know they're 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 a good complete team, um, and they're gonna go out there and they're gonna you know they're gonna play hard. And um, I mean at this level, you can't expect anything different. So. Um, we, you know, we we dove in on the film. You know, we we've kind of lined up the game plan we think will work, and um, I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hard fat a hard fought bottle or a battle on a on Saturday. And um, you know, those are the games that get you excited. You know, you just know you're going into a, you know a hostile environment, and it's gonna be loud. It's gonna be rocking. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's gonna be a fun one Saturday. They uh, on defense have Ron Stone Jr. on the edge. Really good pass rusher. He's a really nice guy off the field. I've had oh, him yeah. on the show. Really, like, quality guy, nice guy. But is he a nice guy on the field? Do you know? Like, you, you know, you, do you have to crack down and block that guy at a, a time or two? Or does he come off the line and try to tackle you? I'm sure he's not as nice on the field. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's a guy, uh, you know, I, I never really got to be around him until um, Pac-12 Media Day. And, um, yeah, you know, he's a, he's a good dude off the field. Um 
you know, real humble dude, um, real people person. But I mean, yeah, you know, we don't expect him to be to be that nice come come Saturday. Uh, you know, he has a job to do. Uh, we got a job to do. So um, yeah, he's a good player. You know, hell of a ball player. So uh, we're definitely, you know, we got him on the radar. But um, like I said, as long as we just execute, you know, I don't. I think it'll just be another another game for us. Um, you know, just go out there and focus on us. You scored a touchdown last year in the game against Washington State. It was a big, big difference maker in that game as you guys won twenty four to ten. Do they look better to you on film this year? Different, the same, you know, personnel wise, scheme wise. They got a new D coordinator, but they're probably still running the same stuff. Oh yeah, um, they definitely they definitely like like they made improvements. Um, you know, especially with you know now uh, guys. Uh, little cross football nowadays, you know, they're bringing guys in, uh, getting guys out of there. So, uh, you know, they definitely look like they've improved on uh, defensively. And, you know, that's it's just a, a tougher challenge for us. And, you know, that's something we're ready for. Um, you know, we don't it's, – it's, it's nice, quote-unquote, having games, you know, that are that are easy. But, um, yeah, I mean, you want to you go in there and have those them hard five bottles and just be able to see where you are as a team and you are as an individual, you know, and um, – uh, you know, I think, you know, just raises the level of expectation um, the, and the level of the, the standard we're going to hold ourselves to offensively. And um, I think it's, it's going to be a, like I said, it's going to be a full one. Um, it, it, yeah, it'll be yeah, a full give me, one. Give me an idea because your home field is has been dominant. And I was looking around the conference and I was like, gosh, you know, Oregon State has been fantastic at home. And I think in the last, uh, you know, two-plus seasons, the only home game you guys have lost is that – tight one to USC last year. Then you go to mm-hmm. Washington State. They've got a sellout now. They just announced it's a sellout for their game against you guys. Uh, Utah has won like uh, nine straight at home. They're on a big win streak. Oregon is 29-2 and two at home. What? Why are the home fields worth so much in the Pac-12? Oh, yeah. You know, I think, uh, you know, it just, those those type of environments you just listed, you know, the, the fans, you know, they're they're all in for the teams, and um, you know, that's it's just an exciting place to to be in. Whether that's you know Austin, uh, up in the Palouse, at, uh, Utah, um, those are you know exciting atmospheres, and um, that's really the best way to play college football. You know, if you've never been in that situation, um, I don't know how to describe it. Besides, you know, you just there's nothing like going into a to a rival stadium. You know, and in, in, in hearing it quiet, you know, yeah. and that's that's something we you know we strive to do, and you know that's that's the the goal that we have, you know. But those those type of environments, you know, they're they're amazing. Um, it's kind of it's kind of weird being in those in those type of environments, just because it's like, man, like you look up and it's like, man, I have you know thirty forty thousand people screaming, you know, hoping I hoping I fail, you know. But <laughs> um, it's it's definitely uh, a fun time and. Um, you know, some people may get nervous, but you know, environments like those only only turn me up even more, and um, you know, make me want to perform even more. So, um, that having a home field advantage like that, especially in our conference, you know, it's, it's everything. So, um, those are you know fun places to play, and um, like I said, uh, it'll be rocking up in Washington State. I remember last time we were up there, and it was loud. Uh, I expect this to be even louder. So, um, it'll be it'll, it'll be a fun game to, to play in. Anthony Gold, wide receiver, Oregon State, with us. Uh, this weekly interview brought to you by Jamba. 
Anthony, uh, are you a, a music guy? Do you listen? Do you have like a playlist before the game? Do you do you always listen to the same songs? What what do you do with your playlist? Yeah, I'm kind of I, I kind of like to listen to more relaxing music. You know, I don't uh, I don't really listen to too much hype stuff. So I like to listen to you know it's like some R and B, a little bit of jazz music. I like to listen to you know just something that will kind of relax me, uh, not get me too amped up. You know, just so. Uh, I don't, you know, burn some of that energy early. Yeah. You know, so I'm just more of a, a laid-back type of guy, you know, just go out there, have fun, and just do what I've been doing my whole life. And um, that's, that's how I kind of approach games. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because, like, sometimes people in a big game will feel like, I've got to do something big. But the truth mm-hmm. is, you guys, you, you don't need to do anything that you haven't done already. Like, the success that you've had... Right. It's you know it's play your game and and it'll be fine. Uh, do you have a a song that you would recommend to us, like a jazz song or an R and B song that's always there, or do you kind of just shuffle through whatever? Yeah, I have a playlist that has probably six hundred songs on it. Okay, give I've me one. Piling up the last <laughs> years. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Give me look at your um, phone right now. You get, you can look at your phone. One, yeah. okay, one I really listen to probably the most. The two I probably. I'm not sure if you know Tim. She's more of like a Afro beat type of okay. type of artist, but Free Mind and the, the Key. Those are the two ones that I really kind of listen to to really like calm me down and just relax. Okay, Stephen's gonna grab the song while I ask you another question. All right, uh, before you go, uh, give us one thing to watch. Uh, you know, because TV will always say here are the keys to the game, and they give us a bunch of things that you guys probably aren't talking about. Um, give us a key to this game. What what do you guys need to do in this game? Yeah, I think we just need to go out there and execute on all three phases. You know, um, the special teams game kind of, uh, you know, we didn't really make too much of an impact last week. Um, so that's something we want to we want to uh, emphasize more. But, I mean, honestly, we just need to go out there, you know, offense, go out there, execute, um, make sure we're doing what we need to do, um, be, be 100% detail-wise. I think the same just goes, for, you know, defensively. You know, those guys are, are always dialed in. So as long as they go out there and play with confidence and um, understand the game isn't bigger than, than what anyone's making it, um, you know, it's just a, another game at the end of the day, um, I think we'll be, we'll be all right. Anthony Gold, I appreciate you. Steven, you got the song? There you go. <laughs> so you're you're really relaxing. Oh yeah, I like to you know just relax, calm myself down as much as I can. I need to listen to this on the way to the games now. Oh, yeah. All right, yeah, you might <laughs> be a little more relaxed out there. <laughs> Anthony Gold, you're making us cooler uh, every week. I appreciate you coming on, man. Good luck on Saturday. We'll talk I, to you next I week. All right, there he goes, Anthony Gold, wide receiver, Oregon State. Steven, what do you think of that? I I dig that. I like that kind of stuff. And uh, I when because I'm like Anthony Gold right there. When I played John, I don't know about you, but like I didn't like getting overhyped. There was only one game in my whole career I got overhyped, and I played so terribly in it. So I always tried to stay pretty even mind and even keeled before games. So I I'm down with that. I'm down with you know just relaxing yourself before the game. And it's the truth. Like you don't need to do anything different you need to the best thing that you can do 
is focus and stay within. You know, coaches always say stay within yourself, but really what they're just saying is don't feel like you need to put a cape on and go for a 75-yard touchdown every time you touch the ball. That's how you drop passes. That's how you fumble trying to you know break a, a play that's bigger than what's there. And you stay within yourself and and know that you don't have to do anything that you didn't do last week in order to win. And that's really, I think, one of the markers of successful teams is that they're just very, very consistent. And um, and they don't kill themselves with mistakes. Uh, Anthony Gould joins us every week, courtesy of Jamba. Jamba, uh, life is better blended. Uh, Dan Lanning coming up at 420, Oregon football coach. I have so many questions for him. Leave it here. One of the biggest challenges I have in interviewing college kids <laughs> is to try to not sound like an old guy interviewing college kids you know what i'm saying steven like you know uh, i've got a daughter who is in college i can barely keep up and anthony go anthony gold comes on the show he's giving us cool r&b and jazz tunes he's talking about the white gummy jamba drink i'm just trying to i'm just trying to not sound like i'm out of touch yeah when uh, when he said the name of the song, I had to go back and pull it, and then you're like, find the song ASAP. I'm like, oh man, this is this is gonna be tough. Like, I gotta I gotta figure it out. I gotta pull it out. But uh, fortunately, I did. Yeah, no, you're right though, because I'm the same way. It's like I even talk to my kids who's eight, and it's like they say things that I have no idea what it means, and I'm like, what what does that even mean, man? Like, you guys have new words. I have no idea what they what you're talking about. Do you uh, do you can you tell me the song title so I can put it on my playlist? Because like, when he said it, I didn't catch it. Ah. Uh, uh, let me. Do you remember? It was called Free Mind. Free Mind. Free Mind by Meats. By Meats? Meats. Like M E E? No, sorry. Teams. <laughs> teams. T E M S. Sorry. I knew it was Wait, that. Same letter. T E M S. Yeah. Thames. Thames? Teams? Thames. It's T E M S. That would be Teams. I have yeah. the lyrics. The lyrics are Yeah, Yeah my mind yeah yeah my mind that, that was about it yeah i said five in the morning i wake up to fight for my earnings but they said it a little cooler okay than that than i don't I know did. that did sound cool john <laughs> <laughs> i you know what the coolest thing was i happened to be on the field last week when oregon state's uh specialist took the field this was not intentional I get to the stadium. I'm at Research Stadium. They got the new side, the west side of the press box, all that stuff. You know, everything's new. So I got there. I kind of walked around a little bit. And then I was like, you know what? I feel like, and I do this a lot, I feel like when I'm in the press box, it's a little sterile. You're removed from the playing field when you're in the press box. I'm jealous. I'm envious. I shouldn't say jealous. I'm envious of fans who are part of the game day atmosphere. And the players are on the field, and the band is in the stands, and the cheerleaders are there, and there's real atmosphere, okay, going on. But none of that atmosphere is happening in the press box. In the press box, you got a bunch of uncool people, myself included. Don't at me if you're a media member. And a bunch of the people sitting up in the press box, and you're removed. And the way they have the brand-new press box at Research Stadium, the windows are closed. So you can't hear the crowd very well. I think they should open some of the windows. And cause, and so I was like, I need to go down to the field. I need to wake up my senses. I need to know I'm at a game. So I went down to the field, 
I'm on the field. I talked to a couple of people who were kind of meandering around. I saw Oregon State uh, coach Wayne Tinkle. He had a recruit there who he has subsequently got a commitment from. He was on the sideline. And this is before the players really come out. So the doors to the locker room open up. I happen to be standing right by the goalposts. And here come the Beavers specialists. The kickers, the kick returners, the punt returners, the punter, the kickers, the, the long snapper. They come rumbling out of the locker room. Anthony Gold is the first person leading the way. And I turn around and I'm surprised to see football player in full uniform running at me. And it's Anthony Gold. And he looks at me and he goes, hey, fist bump. <laughs> and so and then he runs onto the field. And I was like, hey, that's, that's, uh, that's our Thursday interview. That's our guy, you know. And then later in the game, he goes 75 yards for a touchdown. So it was. I was ple- a. I was pleased to see him, and B. I was pleased that he went fist bump, because you may remember we've had Oregon Ducks on this show, and we've had Beaver players before, like Jaden Grant on the show, and I have encountered said players on the sideline as I'm doing that pregame kind of walk on the field. And I've had awkward handshakes before. You know what I'm talking about, where you go to, like, shake someone's hand, but they're in, like, sports mode, and they kind of fist bump you. or yeah, they, 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 dap, they dap you up, yeah. Yeah, and and I felt like I was not very cool last year. I did, had it happen a couple of times where I was like, oh, I kind of missed an opportunity to be, like, you know, a normal person on a field and just give the guy a fist bump. As he ran by, do you and, think the kids though are just adjusting to old people like us and just fist like they know that we can't do their cool <laughs> handshakes, so they just like, all right, we'll fist bump you. <laughs> this like, guy, he probably, he probably saw me and he went, okay, gotta gotta lower the bar this here. This guy doesn't want to dap me up. I'm gonna just fist bump him. I'm just gonna form my hand into a club and <laughs> offer it to him and see if he can do the same <laughs> in return. It was kind of one of those moments, but I was really pleased that I was prepared, like in a in an instant. I just turned around, and he was fist bumping, and I was like, fist bump! <laughs> so I did it right back. But um, it was funny, too, because Brady Hoke, the San Diego State coach, I kind of had a similar interaction with him because, you know, he used to be at Oregon. He had previously coached at Oregon State. And I was surprised because I wasn't thinking about Brady Hoke being at the stadium, but, you know, he coached at Oregon State as an assistant years and years ago, and he coached at Oregon certainly as the D coordinator. Uh, a few few years ago. It seems like it was a few years ago, but had a similar interaction with Brady Hoke, but I felt much more on the same level. Like, you know, he wasn't like younger, significantly younger than me. But I also think, I got to be honest, I think the fact that I have three daughters raging in age from seven to 20, I think the fact that I have them, it kind of keeps me playing young. I don't know. Do you think your kids make you a little younger and a little cooler? Yeah, I mean, I would like to think that. Um, you know, I don't. I definitely don't want to be like the lame dad. So I, I feel like I'm not that right now. So I, I'm with you. I'm with you with that. I, uh, you know, I don't know how to say it. How the cool, how the cool kids would say it, but I I'm with I, you. I, I'm just trying to be passable. You know, what I, mean? I don't want to be that's embarrassing. Like that's, that's my what thing. it comes down to. <laughs> like I'm trying uh, not to embarrass you. That's all I'm trying to do. All right, it leads us to our big splash. We got a good one today. Big splash. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Swear. Down there. The Big Splash. Well, we got some injury reports in the NFL. Dallas Cowboys cornerback Trayvon Diggs has suffered a season-ending torn ACL. Left knee. Today's practice suffered the injury during a one-on-one period in practice. 
he will be lost for the year. Meanwhile, the 49ers dealing with uh, an injury at the wide receiver position. Wide receiver Brandon Ayuk, who has been sensational this year, not expected to play tonight against the New York Giants because of a shoulder injury. Ayuk uh, is listed as questionable for the game. The Niners have elevated Chris Conley from the practice squad for the game. Remember, Ayuk suffered the injury last Sunday against the Rams. He had three catches for 43 yards. He's got 172 yards and two touchdowns this season. So Ayuk probably not playing tonight. Meanwhile, uh, the Carolina Panthers not expecting Bryce Young to play against the Seahawks. They'll be without him for Sunday's game. Top pick of the draft. Missed his second straight practice today with an ankle injury. It looks like it'll be Andy Dalton taking the snaps on Sunday against the Seahawks. Uh, NFL injury report and other stuff. By the way, um, the Bears, aren't the Bears a mess right now? Chicago Bears general manager called an impromptu news conference today to address the fallout from Justin Fields calling out how he's being coached, then deciding to say, I don't blame anybody, and also the sudden resignation of defensive coordinator Alan Williams. The Bears look like they are a uh, uh, an organization right now that have some problems on the field, off the field. Alan Williams in a strange uh, resignation. The Bears, by the way, are denying rumors that the FBI uh, raided his house and his office. They say uh, there, there was no raid on his house. There was no raid on his office. But uh, defensive coordinator Alan Williams resigned um, and uh, stepped down for personal reasons, the team said. And uh, they pointed out that the rumors on social media are 100% untrue. They should just have left it as the rumors on social media. There you go. All right, coming up, uh, Dan Lanning in hour number two. Oregon football coach will join us. we got Colorado and Oregon. Oregon State, Washington State, UCLA and Utah among the big games. Steve and I are going to give our picks. We'll play Punch It Audio. We'll talk to Dan Lanning. All of that is still ahead right here in the BFT, where we try to make you cooler or at least appear cooler. Steve, we're going to give our picks in this segment. Our picks for the Pac-12 games. Can we handle that? You know I can handle that one, John. Are you ready to give your picks? I got some fire picks this week. I'll tell you what. Do no, you need no more good. time? No. No. You know, people always go, I need more time. You don't need more time. I don't need more time either. I'm ready. By the way, I uh, keep track of such things, so I know this. My record in picking games this year, there have been 34 Pac-12 games played. I am 31-3 and picking the games straight up. 91% of the winners, most of them non-conference, a lot of them easy. It's not pat myself on the back too hard. But 31-3, and three, I'm trying to keep that going this week. Against the spread this season, 25 games that lines were issued on by Las Vegas. I am 17-8, and eight, 68%. I'm ready to go to Vegas. Ready to go. Can I continue that this week with some really wonky games? I mean, there's some weird games. There's some hard ones. Got a bunch of games. We got point spreads that are 
closer than uh, like sometimes when I look at it, I should just say it this way. Sometimes when I look at a spread, I go, oh, that's wrong. You know what I'm talking about, Steve. And you look at a spread and you go, oh, no, they messed that up. Um, this week, I think they got a lot of them right. And I think that, that there are a couple of games that you've got three games, in fact, that teams are favored by more than 20 points, which is wild. So we will talk about that. We will talk about the football that will be played this weekend. And then Dan Lanning, University of Oregon head football coach, will be joining us right around 420. So he will be popping on the program. Let's give our picks. Thoughts, picks, predictions. Colorado at Oregon. We're going to start there. We're going to start with it. 1230 Saturday, ABC. Here's what I see. Huge opportunity for the Oregon Ducks. Dan Landing's program is ready for this. There will be a pile of recruits at the game. A lot of eyeballs on it during the ABC broadcast. Joey Harrington talking about why this is an important game for Oregon. 9.3 million people watched Colorado, Colorado State last week. Never in the history of Colorado, Colorado State have 9 million people watched the game. The country will be paying attention. The country will have an opportunity to see what Dan Lanning is doing at Oregon. So I think there is more importance in terms of how Oregon is viewed nationally. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, if you beat Colorado and lose to Stanford, it doesn't matter. But I think there is a perceived importance on this game that could go a long way in terms of how we're viewed by national rankings, how we're viewed by recruits who want to come in down the road. It, 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 that's the reality. I'll go further than Joey's going to go here. I think he's stating the obvious. I think it's bigger than that. I think Oregon is literally taking all the chips and pushing them to the center of the table in this game. I think Oregon has better cards. I think it knows it has the better cards. And I think it has to win this game. It doesn't need to blow Colorado out by 21, but it has to win this game in a, in a way that sends a message to recruits and to the country that Oregon football is better than Colorado football, even though Coach Prime is here. The spread is 21. I think Oregon's going to cover it. I don't like 20, 21 points. It's a lot of points against an offense in Colorado that can score. But officially, I'm locking this in now, Stephen. 49-24. Oregon's going to win the game by 25. I'm a little worried about a backdoor cover, maybe a late touchdown by Shador Sanders that, that blows the point spread. But I think 49-24, Oregon, I think they cover. Yeah, I'm going to take Colorado on the points. Uh, give me 21 points. But I think you're right around the score. I think Oregon's going to get 40, 42, 45 points. But I think Colorado can get to 28. I think they get four touchdowns, maybe into the 30s. Keep it somewhat close. Um, I have a lot of faith in that Colorado offense. You know, they, They've done a lot this season, and I do think that they're going to scheme up a game plan to get the ball out of Shador's hands quickly, which is what they have to do. If they can't protect Shador, it's over. Even Dion has said that at the start of the year. So um, I, I do like Colorado. I like their coaching staff. I trust them a little more than the Ducks coaching staff, so I'll take the 21 points. Moving on, same time, 1230, Saturday, on Fox, UCLA at Utah. My friends at KSL who cover Utah say that Cam Rising has been taking the first-team snaps this week. He had a check-in with doctors today. They expect him to be on the field for the first time. Question is, will he be rusty on the field? And, by the way, Utah's got a bunch of other players who are hurt, banged up, out, including their star tight end. Utes have won 16 straight games at home. Utah's going to win the game. It'll be 17 straight. But I don't think they're going to cover the five-and-a-half-point spread, and it's growing. I expect it to be six or six-and-a-half by kickoff. 
I think it's something more like Utah 31, UCLA 27. A close win for the Utes. So I'll take UCLA in the points, but Utah to win the game. I'm going to take Utah to win and cover this game, John. Um, you know, I, I think Utah, they've been tested so far this season, beating Florida and beating Baylor without Cam Rising. I think that's going to come into play a little bit. When you look at UCLA so far, I, I mean, I like Dante Moore. I like the potential. But they've played Coastal Carolina, NC Central, and San Diego State. Like those are not those aren't those aren't three good opponents. So I think this will be a new shock to the atmosphere uh, for UCLA and Dante Moore. So give me Utah, and I'll leave those points. Moving on to Oregon State at Washington State, four o'clock Saturday on Fox. Beavers two and a half point road favorite in Pullman. I like Oregon State twenty seven twenty one is my score. I think the Beavers win. I think they cover. Here is a, uh, a clip we have of Pat Chun, the athletic director at Washington State. They did a joint news conference today, both athletic directors, both university presidents, drumming up a lot of enthusiasm. Here's Chun talking about being in it with Oregon State while also playing Oregon State. It was a unique week as we think about ways to um, to elevate this game. I mean, we're you know, although we're asking our, 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 our Coug fans to make it the toughest, loudest environment, we're also going to encourage them. Uh, 18 minutes before kickoff, our band's going to play the Oregon State fight song, and we're going to ask as a show of respect to applaud that fight song because the two universities are in a in a fight together. Uh, and we'll, we'll, you know, I, I know our two mascots are probably going to interact more than they ever interacted. Uh, really, as as symbolic of the two schools going down this unique road together. But uh, yeah, this is yeah, by by all yeah, this is this is not in the textbook uh, for either uh, how you run an athletic program, but it's also. Uh, I think, you know, from the Washington State side, I think we also know that we're fortunate uh, to have uh, two partners and friends uh, that, that ultimately are working together toward a common solution. Meanwhile, Scott Barnes, the AD at Oregon State, said he's learned a lot about Washington State uh, and the Cougars. I would I would say that what we thought about each other just has come to full light. We're very similar from, from the land-grant mission to our values, and when you're in a fight together, you're in just sort of the foxhole together, you, you do learn a lot more. And for me, it's confirmed uh, what I thought about the Cougars. And, and you know, our fan bases have always cheered for each other um, because of that, uh, some of the commonalities that, that I've mentioned. So for me, I, I think um, what's important, uh, what's critical now is is our, our values and, and how we how we uh, navigate this and, and uh there isn't any question that we're aligned in our values and our goals. No question they're aligned, but they're enemies on Saturday, on the field at least. I got it Oregon State 27, Washington State 21. I think Oregon State's going to be too physical for Washington State, and I think they'll find a way to win the game. And the spread now down to 2.5, I think they will cover that at Washington State. If it was 3.5, 4.5, 5.5, might start to think differently, but 2.5 I think they can handle. Yeah, uh, this will be the first one I agree with you on. I think Oregon State, they kind of had a sleepy game against San Diego, San Diego State. Uh, you know, like you said, you were there. They didn't look impressive, but it was more of a look-ahead spot to me. I thought maybe they were trying some things, like you said, offensively. I think Oregon State's going to be locked in, ready to go, um, and they'll be too physical for Washington State. So, yeah, I'll take the Beavs and I'll lay those points. Arizona's at Stanford at 4 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks. Uh, did you know these teams have not played since 2019 due to scheduling, due to the rotation, Due to the pandemic, um, a lot of uh, a lot of people looking about uh, looking at this game and going, "Wow, you know, how do they match up?" Well, I'll tell you how. Stanford's not very good. 
Arizona's favored by 11.5. I think they cover it. I think they have too much offense for Stanford. I have it 38-20, Arizona. Now that's a fun fact there, John. Um, yeah, I'm going to give uh, – I'll, I'll give, I'm gonna go Arizona this one. Stanford, I, I had a lot of faith in Stanford after the Hawaii game. I thought they looked really good. And then the USC game and the Sacramento State game, they looked terrible. So um, I, I don't know if Stanford gets another win this season in the conference. I'm going to take Arizona State out of the points. Yeah, they, I think Stanford could end up 0-9 in conference play. Uh, Cows at Washington, 7.30 on Saturday, ESPN. A lot of people think the Huskies going to run away with the game. The spread's 21 now. Washington favored by 21. Michael Penix Jr.'s terrific. He's got, you know, three straight 400-yard passing games. He looks great. But Cal's defense is the key to correctly calling this game. They're second in the Pac-12 in passing yards per game allowed. They have not allowed a rush of more than 20 yards this season. They are very stingy. Even when they can't get it going and they don't win, the problem's not on defense. I think they will give Washington a little bit of a problem, and I say that knowing I'm going to say Washington scores 35 anyway. But I don't think that Washington's going to run wild in this game. It's got 35-17 written all over it. Washington wins by 18 points but they don't cover the 21, so I'll take Cal in the points. And historically, Cal has played Washington really well. Uh, it's one of those things, kind of like Cal's kind of played Oregon well, really well. They played Washington well, really well as well, but um, I learned my lesson from last week, John. I, I picked against Washington, and they absolutely demolished Michigan State on the road. It was over in the first quarter, and in the first half they covered it, and it wasn't lurking back. I think Washington's the best team in the conference right now, so I think they're just rolling, and I think they will get enough points. And I'll lay the twenty and a half. I don't think Cal. I don't know that Cal's going to score enough. Points. I, I don't know. Is that offense going to be good enough to score even seventeen, like you said? Uh-huh. I don't know if they are. I I, I, don't, I just don't. I don't trust the Cal offense. This is a Wilcox spot though to cover the game. But you know, give me Washington, man. They they're going to score in the forties. That that offense is too good. USC at Arizona State, seven thirty Saturday on Fox. Lincoln Riley will be coaching his 18th game at USC. He's coached 17 games to this point. His team has scored 55 or more points five times. Can they get to six? I think they will, but Kenny Dillingham, Arizona State coach, says he thinks they got a shot to win. If you don't expect to win every game, you got a problem. I don't care if I'm playing Michael Jordan in basketball. I'm not playing him to lose. Otherwise, why why would I play? Not just gonna play because it's fun. No, what's fun is competing to win. So you're playing to win. That's it. And if you don't, whether whatever happens after the game, it doesn't matter. You then watch the tape and you get better and you grow and you get better and you grow and get better. And eventually, right, Saturday nights are gonna feel better. But if you don't take the field and you expect to win the football game, something's wrong. You should expect to win. You you should that's, otherwise you shouldn't be on the field. He sounded a little bit like Herm Edwards. You saying, play, to, you win play to win the game. That's why you play the game. I, I just think he's channeling a little bit of Herm Edwards, former Arizona State coach, as he said that. Look, I love Kenny Dillingham. Good, good guy, fun guy, you know, good quote, great offensive coach, but I just don't think, you know. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. 
When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then retire. Get out. Because it matters. Does he sound? Don't the, isn't it almost the same? It's the same message. I don't. I don't disagree with the message. I just. I don't know. I even talked to Judah. I'm like, I don't know. He just, Dylan Ham. I don't know what to make of this guy right now. Like, I feel like he's almost over the top. And maybe, <laughs> maybe it's me being an old guy. Maybe I'm just being the old guy right now, John. But I don't know. I don't. I don't buy the Dylan Ham stuff right now. And it is year zero, so it doesn't really count. But man, sometimes it's, he just looks like it's a little bit of a clownish behavior to me. That's just me. Though. I, I want to replay his. You don't expect to win every game. Yeah, problem. I don't care if I'm playing Michael Jordan in basketball. I'm not playing to lose. Otherwise, why would I, why would I play? I'm not just going to play because it's fun. No, what's fun is competing to win. So you're playing to win. That's it. And if you don't, whether, whatever happens after the game, it doesn't matter. You then watch the tape and you get better and you grow and you get better and you grow and get better. And eventually, right, Saturday nights are going to feel better. But if you don't take the field and you expect to win the football game, something's wrong. You should expect to win. You, you should, that's, otherwise, you shouldn't be on the field. USC is favored over Arizona State by 34.5 points. Arizona State has not been a 34.5 point home underdog ever. He plays Michael Jordan. Okay? Game to 100. I'll set the spread at 92. I'll take Jordan. <laughs> you have to go 99.5 when you get a bucket. Um, look, uh, Lincoln Riley's team's going to score 56. They're going to break 55 for the sixth time. Arizona State had eight turnovers last week. They got beat 29 to nothing. Kenny Dillingham's got the passion, he's got the speech, but he doesn't have the depth, the size, or the playmakers to stay in this game. It's 56 to 10. USC covers the 34 and a half. I just I can't bet my hard-earned money on Arizona State right now. Like even though it is 34 and a half, I just can't do it in good conscience. I'm taking USC and I believe the points for all the reasons you just said, man. It's it's year zero for Dillingham, so I'm giving it a no a no grade this year. No grade. And there you have it. Those are the games. All right, coming up, we've got Dan Lanning, University of Oregon football coach. I'll ask him what's at stake on Saturday. And uh, does he want the ball to start the game? Does he want to go on defense to start the game? What is it with uh, coaches who always defer to the second half anyway? All right, leave it here. Dan Lanning next. I don't control the bump music, okay? So when certain songs play, people are tweeting at me. When certain songs play, people messaging me. I don't control the bump music, okay? I have so much control over what's going on here. I do control the button that I'm about to push that will bring Oregon football coach Dan Lanning on the show. Uh, as the head football coach, I'm sure that people say to you, "Hey, coach, you, they should play different music during uh, during the timeouts during the game." Do you get do you get all sorts of those questions? <laughs> I did. I did the other day, and I, I told him I had no idea what was playing. You know, I know this after the third quarter, shouts coming on. I can tell you that. And some point in there, where you, you usually get it coming home too. So, um, but I was enjoying the club remix you had going there for a little bit. Like I was that? trying to figure out where I was at. Not really, but I was trying to make you feel better. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Hey, big week, a lot of eyeballs. This is what this is what uh, your guys want, right? I mean, this is a stage, and, um, you know, your guys have worked hard, and now they get a chance to be on it and show people what they can do. Yeah, I'm wondering why nobody got this excited about our Colorado game last year. I mean, come on. I know. I know. <laughs> it, it, it is, like, it, people are asking you about recruits. They're asking you about eyeballs. But don't you feel like you always have eyeballs on you? Yeah, at all times. But I'll, I'll say this. This is 
certainly a, a lot more fun as a coach and as a player to get to coach in, in a game like this. This environment, um, the excitement that's around it, makes it a lot of fun for us. This uh, this week, how are you feeling about the week of practice? Can you read too much into that? Do you generally say that a good week of practice translates to a good week of games, or is it kind of all over the place? With time, I've learned you can't. Um, but I'll say this: I've like I think we've had uh, a really good prep week. Um, you know, but the ball bounces certain ways on Saturdays. Yet, you know, you have to be ready to adapt to some of the unexpected, and uh, sometimes you can't replicate all those things in practice. So, um, but our guys have had a good week, and they're certainly excited to get out there on the field. You look across and you are uh, looking at film. You're watching Colorado, but you're also watching a bunch of guys that you are familiar with. Maybe you recruited them when you were at Georgia. Maybe you recruited them when you were at Oregon. But how many guys on the other side of a field on a given Saturday do you go, oh, I remember that guy. I did a visit with that guy. I know that guy's parents. Like, how familiar are you with kids? Yeah, usually there's always some. Um, Not always, but usually there's always some. And I think that will be more and more likely, you know, the more you get in recruiting battles with teams that you're playing. So um, I think that's, you know, that's generally the case, it seems like offensively do you feel good about where you are well i feel good about where we're going right i think that we can get um better and better on in all phases of the game um but yeah i'm really uh, happy about the direction of where we're headed and it's about building off of that not not staying stagnant we're, we're never satisfied right we're always looking for the better edge and how we can improve all right, so you've been talking, I, I know, on your news conferences about penalties and getting it cleaned up, and, of course, you don't want the procedural stuff. We've talked about what a good penalty is and what a bad penalty is. Do you feel like the guys get the message there? Like, you know, and you know, nobody wants to get a penalty, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, no, and, and some, you know, players have more of a propensity than others to get them. Um, but, you know, you try to coach it. You try to make sure you can improve it. Um, and try to educate your team and, and understanding, you know, how to eliminate it. You know, do they happen? Yes, they happen at times. And there actually isn't a strong correlation um, with the amount of penalties and wins and losses, um, even though you think there would be. But I'll say this, there's differences in certain penalties, and certain penalties, um, you know, bear more weight on the success of a team than others. And, um, you know, we've had a couple of those that I think have contributed to us not having success in the first few weeks in certain situations because we, you know, put ourselves in really tough spots. How much do you have to remind guys, hey, you don't need to score a 75-yard touchdown on every play. You don't need to play, uh, I guess, you don't need to press and do something bigger than, you know, you've ever done in your life on every play of the game. Because I do see guys in big games with big audiences. Sometimes we see it in a Super Bowl or a championship game where guy tries to do too much. And you've been through this at Georgia, playing in big games for the national title. How do you remind guys just to stay within themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think that happens throughout the offseason everywhere. And it's more about being, you know, focused on in the moment and, and not really the outcomes. When you focus on outcomes, that's the kind of things that will happen. And uh, if you focus on just each individual play, each individual moment, you know, I think that's when you get guys that operate within, you know, the framework and the system and have success. I felt like I nitpicked you guys after the Texas Tech game because I was like, you know, they weren't at their best. Uh, there was a little too much Bo Nix freelance running. I didn't like that in the second and third quarter. And then on the plane trip home, I was going, you know, it's hard to win on the road. It's a tough thing to do. And you guys showed a lot of resilience in that game. Did, what did you get out of that Texas Tech game that, that maybe nobody's talking about? 
Well, I'm not sure what everyone's talking about, um, but I certainly felt like we had a resilient team that had belief. And because we've been in similar situations and, and my time here before where, you know, maybe we didn't perform how we wanted early on, but we finished. You know, North Carolina's a game that's similar to that. Washington State's a game that's similar to that last year. Um, you know, maybe I felt like, hey, this is a team that has some of those same characteristics, that a resilient team that can have success, you know. Um, I also learned that we don't have to play our best game to win, right? But I don't think that'll always be the case. You know, um, we have to we have to be able to perform better at times, and um, you know. But I think we learned a lot, and and we've been able to adapt from that game and uh, carry that over to some successes for us in the future. You know, some starting last week in Hawaii, and hopefully some carrying forward. You get this uh, chance to look across the field and play an opponent that's getting a lot of attention. Has Colorado been good for college football in your mind? Well, I think anytime t- people are talking about college football, that's good, and they've certainly brought that conversation, um, you know, here and and around. So uh, I-, I enjoy the fact that this game has a lot of excitement around it. And like I said, that wasn't the case last year. Dan Lanning with us, Oregon football coach. I uh, look. I know you got uh, a lot of friends and family that will you know reach out to you on game week. Is it has it been a bigger distraction for your guys this week, or is it does it feel like a normal? Oregon football home game as far as sort of the the stuff that's going around the edges? Well, it's only a distraction if you let it become a distraction. Um, And I think our guys are really narrowed focused right now on what they have to accomplish. So, no. um, But that's part of this job. That's part of being a player at this level is learning how to manage um, outside expectations and making, you know, the reality of that they really don't matter that much. I'm in the movie theater last night with my wife. We're watching What'd you watch? a, a Haunting in Ventus, the Hercule, Hercule Poirot movie, you know, the Agatha What'd Christie series. Ah, it's a little dark. You might like it because yeah. it's really dark. So we watched you know? it with the team the other day. We watched it with the, so the players vote. And, um, when, we have, uh, when we have later games like we did last week against Hawaii, the night before, we, we generally will go to a movie. Um, so they actually voted for that one. Um, yeah, it was definitely different. I'm glad you, that it wasn't the hocus pocus at the end. I don't want to ruin it for any of the viewers here, but it was actually yeah. like uh, a mystery, you know, rather yeah. than a, um, you know, you know what I mean. I don't, like yeah. I said, I don't want to ruin it for everybody else. Yeah, but you tend to have, your taste in movies tends to be a little bit dark, right? Like you, you know, you kind oh, yeah, of. Yeah, wrote... I'm a dark taste for sure. Yeah. <laughs> have I'm, you I'm always? I'll tell you which one the players picked the other day. Yeah. It was elite that you should give a shot. The Equalizer three. Okay. So. I haven't watched The Equalizer 2, but Denzel is a bad man, right? He is a bad man, so you ought to give uh, The Equalizer 3 a shot. I don't get to watch a lot of movies, especially during football season, but when it falls within what the team picked, it it worked out pretty good. It sounds like the team is is doing you a service here, picking good movies. But is there a guy, is there an actor, leading actor or actress, that if they do a movie, you go, I got to see it, like, you know, on on that Denzel note? Well, I mean, Denzel's up there, certainly, but um, I think one of the most impressive actors um, is Christian Bale. You know, like, he can absolutely change characters, change his body type. I mean, like, he's uh, he's pretty impressive to me. Dan Lanning with us, movie critic and football coach at Oregon. Uh, all right, beginning <laughs> of the game, beginning of the game, there's a coin toss. You win the toss, you defer. Everybody does that. Why do you, Why do people defer? There's something to be said for, you know, if you manage the last couple minutes of the game, uh, probably the minutes of the half, 
you know, maybe potentially with a score that you can turn around and score coming out of half when you get the ball and, and create a 14-point swing. You know, that's something that we always are really conscientious of, and I think that can be, you know, you think about what lets offenses have success, and a lot of times it's about being in a rhythm, right? And if you're sitting on the sideline for a halftime and for the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half, that's a lot of time to get out of sequence and out of rhythm. Um, so there's some, you know, there's some merit to having that, you know, but I think that's, you know, I think everyone just assumes you'll always defer. I think there's a lot of things that can go into that factor of who the opponent is, um, how you feel about your opening script on offense, um, what you're going to be able to have success with, you know, what the wet, you know, the weather's a big contributor. If there's going to be rain in the second half or first, you know, all those things kind of, um, can play into that as well. How important is a huge atmosphere from the home crowd, uh, on Saturday? The fans are about to be real out of Hudson. I don't. I don't even have to hype them up. I know they're going to come ready. About to be real. I'm going to write that down. I like that. Uh, Dan Landing with us. All right. So um, game mode. When do you guys finish? Sort of. The, you know, there becomes a point when, like, an artist will finish a painting and then they'll step back. Right. I've always found game day interesting because you've kind of done everything you can do from a preparation standpoint, now it just becomes about players executing and your game plan being implemented and maybe some adjustments. Do you have a moment like, you know, uh, in the week where it hits Thursday, hits Friday, and you're like, we have done what we can do prep-wise, time to exhale for just a second and then lock into the the game, sort of the game structure? No. <laughs> we, we, we show. Uh, Thank you very much, Dan. Like, we show plays to our players. Yeah, we show uh, plays to our players like literally minutes before we walk back onto the field. We we hit them one more time with reminders and tips. And I'm, when I was a high school coach at Park Hill South, you know, and, and even back when I was a player um, in high school, I remember you know coaches commonly would say like the night or two days before the game, they'd say, "Hey, the hay's in the barn," you know, like the job's done, but. The job is not done until that game's played, so we're going to prepare every second, every moment we can up until that that uh, kickoff. Okay, this might be a, a better question. Of the three games you've played, which one was the most valuable to you? In and at no disrespect to any of the opponents, but which one did you get the most out of? Well, certainly for for me, I felt like Texas Tech. Um, you know, I think we learned a lot of things that we can go attack and improve we played a quality opponent that, that measured up well to us um and we went and got a really quality you know win on the road which again i think they had a, like a 22 or 23 game winning streak against non-conference opponents at home so um not the easiest place to play we'll play in in tougher i think you know even this year um but it was a good test for us early to learn a lot about ourselves when you guys watch a movie do you get popcorn and everything for the guys or are they just watching the movie they have some snacks. Yeah, they certainly have some snacks. Snacks are good. All right, Dan Lanning, good luck to you. I will see you at Autzen Stadium. Uh, really excited. I think this is this is what college football is about. I mean, it's about two ranked teams, uh, great atmosphere. I think you got the better players. Yeah, I know you don't want to hear that. I think you got the better team. I think you got the better players. I think you're going to win this game. But I think uh, it's going to be fun to see the stage and and see it play out. Well, I appreciate it. We'll uh, hopefully take care of business here tomorrow. That's the plan. There you or, go. Excuse me. Saturday. I'm a Saturday. Day early. I'm pretty excited. Look at you. You're itching. You're itching to go. I'm itching. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good luck, Coach. Thank you. See you both. Bye. There, there you go. Dan Lanning. I love how I, I asked that long question, Stephen. And that long, drawn up, you know, do you do you feel like uh, you have a moment to exhale? You know, the lead up, the haze in the barn. 
No. <laughs> it, it fit perfectly for uh, kind of Dan Lanning and his uh, his mo. What he wants to say, you know, that that's that's Dan Lanning to a T right there. Just no, John, you're, you're wrong, and uh, that's it. The Hercule Poirot movie that is out right now, The Haunting or whatever, it's got a seance at the center of it. It's a little bit spooky. Like, I didn't think Anna would go for it. Last night I was like, let's go to a movie. Got to go see a movie. I needed a break. Needed to sit somewhere and kind of try to exhale. I just love that Oregon is showing their football team movies. They've seen The Equalizer 3, and now they have seen The Haunting as well. Really good stuff uh, from Dan Lanning. How about, gonna, uh, yeah. how about that uh, that answer about the uh, Oregon crowd? That w- that's uh, that was really cool. I, I pulled that right here. The fans are about to be real at, at Austin. I don't I don't even have to hype them up. I know they're going to come ready. It's about to be real, John. The fans are about to be real at Austin. I don't even have to hype them up. Is that what he said? That's what that's that was what he said. That, I mean that. I think he knows these, this crowd is going to be insane. It's something that Colorado hasn't seen going into this game. Did he say at the end they're ready? Is that what the he fans said? are about to be real at Austin? I don't. I don't even have to hype them up. I know they're going to come ready. I know they're going to come ready. Well, there you go. Uh, do you think? I, I feel like coaches these days. I saw it across the Pac-12 today, especially Kyle Whittingham telling reporters in Salt Lake City. He knows the Rice-Eccles Stadium crowd is going to be frothing and ready for UCLA. Washington State's athletic director, Pat Chun, announcing a sellout, saying he knows the home crowd's going to be nuts in Pullman. And then Dan Lanning saying the fans are about to be real at Autzen. I don't even have to hype them up. I know they're going to come ready. Um is uh, all on messaging and all on point. They're all trying to do the same thing. They're trying to remind fans, hey, we need you. I think Oregon's going to win that game pretty easily. Dan Lanning doesn't want to hear that, though. Is it opposite of what – are they doing it because of what uh, Coach Prime, Dion's doing, how Dion's hyping everybody up, telling everyone to get out there and trying to help the crowd? Because there's been stories about how the crowd doesn't know how to react because they've been so bad lately mm. that Dion had to teach them how to cheer and like what to do and stuff. Are these are these programs saying that our fans are better than that? We we don't need to teach them. They're gonna be ready. I think uh, I think he just knows he needs the crowd. He, you know the home field. I I actually think like in the NFL they say a home field's worth three points or whatever. The home field in these college games feels bigger to me, especially the Pac-12 games. It feels like it's a seven, eight, nine point advantage in some of these stadiums. Because if if USC and UCLA were playing in U, at UCLA, I would pick the Bruins. Like I would flip that score. And and I think UCLA would win and cover, and they'd be a home favorite. And I I just think it's really interesting to see the value of the home field. You got a 17 game win streak at Utah. Oregon is 29 and two at home in their last 31 games. You have Oregon State. Uh, I think Oregon State has won something like nine in a row at home. It's it's just interesting to see how the home fields are mattering. In the Pac-12 conference. Well, and that was the trend last year that you found out that you know the home teams just home kept favorites. winning. Home and, favorites are a lock to win games. And I you know, I looked at a look-ahead line of Oregon State-Utah right now. That They have that line out. Oregon State's two-and-a-half-point favorites. And to your point, if that game's in Utah, I mean, Utah's probably, what, a six-, seven-point favorite. Like, that's nine-point difference. And, and I agree with it. Like, that's how much it should be when you go from Reese Stadium to Rice-Eccles Stadium. So it, it will be interesting to see how Colorado reacts to Austin Stadium. It'll be interesting to see how Oregon State reacts 
to pull uh, up in Pullman against the Cougars because that's going to be a loud crowd, and you know those those teams are going to want to get after each other. So it's real. We're going to find out what teams, uh, what what they're really made of next week in the Colorado and for Oregon State. Well, keep an eye on it. Anna's going to pop into the studio, the 5 at 5. Anna's in the studio. Anna's in the studio. We're fresh off the Dan Lanning interview. Anna, you listen to the interview. Quick takeaways. Dan Lanning uh, preparing for the Colorado-Oregon game on Saturday. I've got notes. (laughs) Um, I think that... uh... He's mastered the art of speaking in generalities. You know, the coach okay. speak that oh. is uh, really unique yep. to coaching. Uh, basically, not giving too much away. Phrases like, can't help if the ball bounces a certain way on game day. Like, I just, I there's part of me that just loves that kind of stuff because it only exists in uh, athletics and sports. But I felt like a lot of the stuff that he was saying and how he coaches the players and the philosophies that they talk about. I mean, so much of that can be applied to our own lives. When he's saying, you know, they really have to encourage the players to focus on the moment, not the outcomes, that things are only distractions if you let them be. And at this level, how so much of it is learning how to manage outside expectations. Like, that's all good stuff that we can apply to our own lives. I think there's a lot of a lot in sports that we can apply, and I, one of the things I think gets lost in this game, and I think I've been trying to say it in a number of different ways in the last 90 minutes. Colorado has to do something, has to be something that Colorado isn't to win this game. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. So like the pressure's on them. I 100% think the pressure's on Colorado, and I hope Oregon's players know that. Like. Colorado's got to play out of its mind mm-hmm. to stay even with Oregon yeah. at Autzen Stadium. If this game were in Boulder and Oregon was down, you know, and, and Colorado was at full strength with Travis Hunter, yeah, and maybe Oregon had Bucky Irving banged up, he couldn't play, then I would be like, you know, Bo Nix needs to have a special game. Bo Nix doesn't. Bo mm-hmm. Nix just to go needs to go out and be Bo Nix. Bo Nix, right. Troy Franklin needs to be Troy Franklin. <laughs> yeah. Oregon's defense just needs to play like Oregon's defense can play. Yes. Colorado's got to – Shador Sanders has to play out of his mind. He has to do something he, he hasn't done. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got to throw for 500 yards. And two receivers at Colorado have to have game-breaking days. Mm-hmm. And they have to have a running back rush for 200 yards. Mm-hmm. They do those things, and this is a game. And they have to stop Oregon. You know, they have to play out of their minds on defense and stop Oregon. So – I actually think all the pressure, in a weird way, is on Colorado. Go be something that you're not, is the message that you know Colorado has to be thinking as they go to the field. Oregon just has to be Oregon, mm-hmm. and they win the game. I feel, I feel the same way about the Beavers going into Pullman. They don't need to be something they're not to win that game. They, you know, Washington State needs to play really, really well mm-hmm. to beat Oregon State, even though they're at home. I don't think Oregon State needs to. Oregon State just needs to play their game. It's like Anthony Gold was, you know, he playing that jazz music earlier, whatever that R&B, what was it, was it, Stephen? <laughs> that cool music that was being played yeah, on was, this show. It was the cool music, uh, Free Mind. Free Mind. You ever heard of that one, Anna? Uh, no, because I'm not cool. It's on my so, playlist now. Yeah. Oh, is it now? Are you about to get real or be real or whatever? <laughs> what did Lanning say? It sounded like one of those things that, like, yeah. the kids <laughs> say that he's picked up. Fans are about to be real at Austin. He's, yeah, fans are about to be real. <laughs> 
I so badly. <laughs> I want to know what other phrases he has picked up from hanging around, you know, 20-year-olds. Because... The fans are about to be real at, at Austin. I don't, I don't even have to hype them up. I know they're going to come ready. Sounds like it's going to be lit over there. No, no, no. You, like, I think lit is like two years ago. I think about to be real is the new one. But he probably has like cooler lingo than you and I do just because yeah, of the osmosis that. that he has from hanging around these guys. I'm pretty cool. Uh, but yeah. what, else, what other notes? What else did you hear in that interview? <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's fascinating how good coaches uh, have to be able to talk about and coach the macro and the micro. So they have to be able to step back and look at the big picture and be visionary and, you know, move the team toward a mission, like a, be the battle leader toward a mission uh, or guide them. And then they also have to be very micro in being able to coach individual positions and talk about the moment and be very, like, hyper-specific um, for the team to achieve success overall. Like, I think that that's an incredible quality as a leader. I think that they also, there is a, you want your team to play focused but relaxed. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Jake Dickert, we had Jake Dickert on on uh, Tuesday, Washington State coach. He said, and I disagree with this, he said he felt like his defense plays better when it's focused. He said, we don't play well relaxed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a little counterintuitive to me because I would like my guys to run around and be loose and free. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't gamble well when I'm too focused. I gamble well when I'm a little loose. You know, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, you, you need to be able to relax a little bit. But, but is he saying, like, if they're loose and free, that's when they commit errors and penalties and they. There's not as focused. Yeah. Do you think I there's a, do you think there's a chance that. Oregon gets overhyped, kind of like Colorado State did, where they had 17 penalties, 182 yards. Is there, is there a chance that Oregon falls into the Colorado trap? Yes. There's a 100% chance that that could happen. But I think it's helpful that that example was laid out for them literally like just days ago. So they're able to point at that yeah. and have a real-world recent example of, hey, this is what we can't have happen. Like we can't let the expectations and the spotlight get to us. We just have to go out and be focused. And, you know, like he said, which I, I also think is interesting too, the coaching philosophy of like uh, reminding people about things right up until the, the game starts and even within the game. You know, the idea that you don't just like relax, as you're saying, between Thursday and Saturday morning. Yeah, I would. I, I You know, to me though, I do like a little contemplative time myself. I'm not competing in front of 48,000 people and 9 million people on TV, though. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I, but I do think there's a time. I've talked to several coaches, several college coaches, maybe 15 or 20 minutes before the game kicks off, and I'm shocked at how relaxed they are. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Smith walked over to me the last time they played in Pullman on the sideline. Yeah. And the Dodgers and Giants happened to be playing a game that night. Yeah. And he was like, hey, uh, what's the score of that Dodger-Giant game? (laughs) And he was about to kick off his football game. Right. Another time, he was on the sideline when Oregon State was hosting Stanford. And they were uh, the Beavers were on defense. And it was the last few minutes of the game in the second half. And he walked down to me, and he said, where does your kid sit when she comes to games? (laughs) 
And I was like, why are you talking to me? Don't you have a game to coach? Yeah. But the, it was almost like the work is done. The hay's in the barn. Do you, the hay's in the barn. I can't, you know, I'm not doing this now. Does that come with age and experience maybe? Mike Leach did the same thing to me once at a Oregon-Washington State game. I was on the sideline. He walked over and he said, hey, Bubba. Like, and it was like third down and goal. Yeah. And they had just called a play. Yeah. And David Shaw did it at Stanford. I was on the sideline for a Stanford-Oregon game. Stanford was lining up for the game-winning kick. And everyone was looking at the field. And David Shaw had just talked to his kicker. He was walking back to the sideline. He looked at me and he said, hey, like, how's it going? I can't, <laughs> I I can't, like, I can't imagine you know, Kenny Dillingham or Dan Landing no, doing that to you. No. You know? Have you have you run into Dan Lanning yet before a game, and have you ever have you been able to gauge his I've demeanor? Not run into him on the field because he yeah. generally stands in the middle of the field, right? Watching his team, yeah. And some coaches do that, like. Yeah. Uh, but here's Kenny Dillingham this week talking about his team. You don't expect to win every game. You got a problem. I don't care if I'm playing Michael Jordan in basketball. I'm not playing to lose. Otherwise, why would I? Why would I play? I'm not just gonna play because it's fun. No, what's fun is competing to win. So you're playing to win. That's it. And if you don't, whether, whatever happens after the game, it doesn't matter. You then watch the tape and you get better and you grow and you get better and you grow and get better. And eventually, right, Saturday nights are going to feel better. But if you don't take the field and you expect to win the football game, something's wrong. You should expect to win. You, you should, that's, otherwise, you shouldn't be on the field. <laughs> wait, wait, was that pregame? That's today at practice. That was today. He's already lost his voice. So you can't. You can't. I can't imagine him looking at you, John. Game-winning field goal on the line. No. Hey, what's up, John? No. That poor guy already is hoarse, and the game hasn't even kicked off yet. I asked David Shaw about that moment. Okay, yeah. people may remember Oregon oh. was playing against Stanford. He had his kicker. I think it was Jet Toner or whatever that kicker's name oh, yeah. was, who sent him out to the field and kicks the field goal and. And uh, I asked Shaw later, I said, you remember, you know, when you turned, you, I said, did you just, did you know the kid was going to make it? And he said, I had confidence in the kid and there was nothing I can do. He's like, not me watching it isn't going to make it go through the uprights. Yeah. And so he was just kind of relaxed on the sideline, like, like he had given it to God, you know, right. it was like, it's out of my hands. I've given it to God, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, it really interesting. Mike Riley was the same way. Really? At Oregon State. Mike Riley, you know, just kind of. The work is done. Right, but you've also, I mean, you've covered so many coaches in your time. So uh, they span the spectrum, though, though, do they not? Are there not winning coaches, successful yeah. coaches, that are just balls of anxiety? Yes. Um, Bobby throughout. Knight. Bobby Knight was okay. wound tight. Tight. Obviously. Wound tight. <laughs> yeah. I saw him in games. He was ahead by 20 or 30 points. He's thrown his, he's thrown his clipboard, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you're going, like, come on, man. Like, And he was just kind of constant. That's just that how he is. Okay. After a game, you're interviewing him, and he's glaring at you, and you're like, why are you glaring at me? And he's like, you're holding your microphone too close to me. You know, <laughs> you just won a big game. You're not going to get that from Jonathan Smith or, you know, even Dan Lanning at this point. Or Kyle Whittingham is, you know, Kyle Whittingham's pretty close to the vest, but he's also been there so long 17 yeah. 18 years you know yeah i've had coaches like andy ludwig the utah offensive coordinator i was in the press box at rice Eccles stadium for their florida game at halftime he's coming back from the locker room he sees me he wanders over and says hi and i'm like you gotta go coach why are you talking to me <laughs> but they're just you know huh. it's it's like they're on a 10 minute work break you know mm. leave it here the five at five is coming up next you got the bft
We got Thursday night football coming up at 5-11 right here on 750 The Game. We'll be going into Thursday night football. But first, Anna's going to give us the five biggest stories in sports. It's the five at five. The five at five. The number one story is... Uh, At practice today, Trayvon Diggs with the Dallas Cowboys suffered a torn ACL, and that means he is out for the rest of the season. Um, Two-time Pro Bowler made a difference this season. What I think is interesting is that, look, we know football is a brutal and violent and injurious sport. This is the third torn ACL that the Cowboys have seen so far this season. They had two rookies that went out uh, in a preseason game against Seattle, and I, I feel like all the injuries that have hurt, happened early this season have people talking, and they're all on turf. And you know, yeah, I, I know. and I didn't see the I didn't see the Dallas Cowboys practice injury, and I don't know under what circumstance it happened. I mean, sometimes injuries just happen, but this is a talking point, and I think all season long we're going to find that injuries that happen on turf get noted and documented as being turf related injuries. And I think, you know, if I'm the people at field turf, I'm doing I'm doing as much counter-propaganda as I possibly can on that front because I think the NFL Players Association is coming for artificial turf. And I think they'll eventually get grass in all the stadiums despite the fact that it's better for the stadiums. Why? Because it's a flatter surface. It's a multi-purpose surface. You can put a stage on it. You can hold a concert on it. You can hold a basketball game on top of it. But I I think you're going to see a real push towards natural turf see if the players win that yeah it makes me curious it's like were these kinds of injuries happening on grass back in the 80s and 90s and was anyone tracking it i'm sure somebody was. number two uh well usc has changed its mind it has lifted the ban that lincoln riley placed on journalist luca evans this week uh they had a long conversation about the trojans beef with the beat writer who uh, Lincoln Riley was upset about because he documented pre-press conference mannerisms of a Trojans player that were outside of the allotted media availability period. They also didn't like that he was using Carol Fultz, the president of USC's first name. I think that played a bigger role because I think people started mocking Carol Folt. Mm. And when that happened, the university president gets involved. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the biggest reason why. But there was a lot of public outcry. This was all wrong. And here's a fun one. USC's game this weekend is at Arizona State. Doug Tamro, who is the sports information director at Arizona State, tweeted this morning that Luca Evans would be credentialed for the game. Arizona State wasn't going to play along with the two-week suspension. Hmm. USC could have kept him away from practices, but he was covering Saturday's game regardless. So I think they were getting all the bad pub, and it wasn't worth it in the end. Lincoln Riley got on the phone with Luca Evans. They probably yelled at each other. End of story. I saw a picture of Luca Evans, by the way, for the first time today. He looks 12. He's getting carded <laughs> at Chuck E. Cheese. But now everyone knows who he is, so hopefully he has I, I love, nice We had his boss on, Todd Harmonson came yeah, on, yeah. and he was trying to say that he looks 12 without saying he looks 12. He was like, he has a... Uh, he has kind of a baby face. <laughs> he does. Oh, well, good luck to him. Well, you know what? Nice Think of all the money he's going to save getting the kids' meal at the <laughs> restaurant.
Oh my god. Okay. Gosh, Number stop. three. Um, this I found fascinating. So, uh, Coach Prime has filed for several trademarks. Just did this uh, on Monday. Here's what he's filed for to protect trademarks for a clothing brand, a production company, and coaching services. Coach Prime, Prime Effect, Daddy Buck, and It's Personal. Those are the four trademarks that he wants He wants exclusive access to use. You know what? Colorado State made it personal. <laughs> it's personal. I'm out of my own business watching some film, trying to get ready, trying to get out of here and be the best coach I could be. And I look up and I read some bull junk that Dan said about us. Talk to us. Once again, uh, talk to why us. would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? All we do is go out here, work our butts up, and do our job on Saturday. But when they give us ammunition, they on mess around and made it what? It was just going to be a good game. They on mess around and made it personal. It was going to be a great test, a battle of Colorado, but they on mess around and made it personal. Look, uh, Arizona, though, holds the trademark on uh, a, a, uh, a uh, trademark on, a, on the term that is very close to it's personal. Mm -hmm. Jed Fish, the Arizona coach, says Colorado can use it. He's hmm. okay with it. Interesting. Funny, huh? Yeah. Number four. Number four. Uh, the XFL and USFL are reportedly docking about merging. So the leagues are reportedly in advanced talks to unite. An agreement could be announced as soon as early this week. Uh, they're trying to complete the merger before their 2024 seasons are scheduled to start after the Super Bowl. You may remember XFL was owned by Vince McMahon. McMahon sold it to The Rock and Danny Garcia and the Redbird Capital Partners. Um, Original USFL involved folks like uh, Steve Young, Herschel Walker, Jim Kelly. I don't know. I, I don't know what to think about this. Does anybody care? This is like Golden Corral and Bennigan's saying that they're going to join forces and become a powerful new restaurant. I don't, you know, to me, oh. like, you know what I mean? Come on. Come on. Don't some people watch these? <laughs> Yeah, and some people go to Golden Corral and Bennigan's, you know? <laughs> okay. But this isn't the NFL. Join forces all you want, okay? It's great. I, I didn't even know. Like, I was not even sure both of those leagues were still playing, you know, because they pop up, they go away. They come yeah. back, they pop up, they go away, you know? All right. Get back to me after you've joined forces. Oh, boy. Okay? <clears throat> Bennigan's or Golden Corral? Which one's better? I've never been to either. Steven, which one's better? I've never been to either. Yeah. I have an idea for these restaurants that they should use. I think a cool concept for a restaurant would be to weigh you before you come in and then weigh you when you leave. I'm sure people would love that, yeah. And then you pay for how much more you weigh when you leave. You know what I mean? Like you're going to the dump. <laughs> pay per pound? <laughs> Dropping stuff at the dump? It is a giant like a board that has your weight. When you step on. Yeah, that would go over really well. What if, I, what if I wear, like, layers? So I weigh a lot going in, then I take the layers no. off when I go out. I lose Just weight. leave your coats. Yeah, I lose you weight. give it to them, you know? They have to pay me. No, uh, there would be a minimum charge, but if you gain more than four pounds and you pay a premium, you know? 
Follow John for marketing tips. Golden Corral should be mm-hmm. all over that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and that is great. like the XFL and the USFL. <laughs> there you go. The number five story. All right. This story is just gross. Amateur poker player claimed to have been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Oh. To help raise money to enter the World Series of Poker main event. So, like, he had a GoFundMe account going and everything. And then, just this week, Rob Mercer revealed that he lied no. about his diagnosis. You and can't never do had that. any form of cancer. He was trying to raise the $10,000 to do the buy-in, no-limit, hold'em world championship. He lied about having terminal colon cancer. Dude. Dude. Come on. That is wrong. He's got a Raider hat on, too. The Raider's got to love that in all of his photos. <laughs> when you Google this story. He wound up getting between thirty dollars and $50,000 in donations, including a stay at the Bellagio in a suite during the tournament. Does this make him a good poker player or no? No, just, just he, bluff, he bluffed everybody? He yeah. did. He bluffed He could just all. say he was practicing. For the event. Ugh. No. Did he have to return it all? You, I, I lost you when you said that. Did he Did he, he give it back? He doesn't have any plans to repay the money. I don't know. It's That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I don't wish terminal cancer on anyone. It's even him. But people that donated to his GoFundMe campaign were told the company was issuing refunds. Oh, so there's some protection. The there. company is, but he yeah. should have to give that money back if so. he took it. Yeah. Oh, good five at five. Very, really solid. A lot of range. <laughs> uh, how much time do we have left before we have to break here? Can I get a little Kenny Dillingham on the way out? <laughs> huh? If you don't expect to win every game, you got a problem. I don't care if I'm playing Michael Jordan in basketball. I'm not playing to lose. Otherwise, why would I, why would I play? I'm not just going to play because it's fun. No, what's fun is competing to win. So you're playing to win. That's it. And if you don't, whether, whatever happens after the game, it doesn't matter. You then watch the tape and you get better and you grow and you get better and you grow and get better. And eventually, right, Saturday nights are going to feel better. But if you don't take the field and you expect to win the football game, something's wrong. You should expect to win. You, you should, that's, otherwise, you shouldn't be on the field. you got to get Michael Jordan to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs>